Hi, I'm Dr. Avanti Kumar Singh. In over 20 years of practicing both Western medicine and Eastern healing traditions, the most important thing that I've learned is that healing is a journey we take together. So on this podcast, I'll be demystifying Ayurveda and other integrated medicine, showing how these simple ancient practices are the keys to unlocking a healthy modern life. We are all healing catalysts because healing starts within. It starts with you and it starts right now. This is a Soulfire production. Episode number 56. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to the Healing Catalyst podcast. How are all of you doing? I'm actually doing really well. I'm definitely enjoying summer here in Chicago. You know, Chicago comes alive in the summer with festivals and art fairs and 5K runs and music. Events are happening all over the city and it's so much fun. There's actually this palpable feeling of joy, which is so nice to experience after two very long, difficult years. And this past weekend was also Pride Fest here in Chicago. And so actually, before we get into the episode for today, I want to talk about Pride Month, which by the time you all hear this will almost be over. And I haven't mentioned it until now, not because I don't care, but quite the opposite, because I care so, so much. Because for me, celebrating Pride isn't something I do for one month, once a year. For me, celebrating Pride is something I do every single day. Because the LGBTQ plus community and the issues that affect them affect me and my family very deeply. My son, Zane, is a trans man. And the pride that I have as his mother is something that transcends Pride Month. You see, pride is about celebrating my child. It's about celebrating every person, regardless of their gender, their pronouns, their preferences. It's about protecting their rights and creating safe spaces for them. And so happy pride this month and every month and every day of every year. Okay, so today we're rounding out the month of June and our intention of healing with integrative medicine with a fascinating discussion about traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture with my guest, Dr. Debbie Kung. Dr. Kung is a board-certified doctor of Chinese medicine and a licensed acupuncturist in both Texas and New York. Debbie has also been featured in Mind Body Green, Pop Sugar, Glossier, and has also led facial gua sha workshops throughout the United States and in Taipei, Taiwan. Her modern philosophy on acupuncture is to educate the patient so that they have a better understanding of why and how traditional Chinese medicine works on their physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual body. She practices many traditional Chinese medicine modalities such as acupuncture, herbal remedies, gua sha, cupping, and she specializes in cosmetic facial rejuvenation, joint pain, pain management, and the NADA or AcuDetox protocol. In our conversation, Debbie shares how she rediscovered the medicine of her ancestors, which changed the course of her life and ultimately helped her heal from thyroid cancer. We also discuss the basic principles of TCM and the concept of the energy body as the blueprint for the physical body and why the flow of energy or chi is so incredibly important. Dr. Kung also goes into the various healing modalities of traditional Chinese medicine, including the difference between acupuncture and acupressure, as well as moxa or moxibustion, cupping, and gua sha. 
She also shares two important acupressure points that we can use every day to increase energy and also gives a simple gua sha routine for facial rejuvenation to try at home. You know, Debbie and I have so many shared experiences and I learned so much from her about TCM. Make sure you grab a paper and a pen to take notes because I know you'll learn so much from my conversation with Dr. Debbie Kung about healing with traditional Chinese medicine and acupuncture. Debbie, it is so wonderful to have you here on my podcast. I know we had to adjust a lot of schedules to do this, but thank you so much for doing this with me today. Well, thank you for having me. It's an honor to be on your podcast. So, you know, we're going to talk all things about, you know, acupuncture and traditional Chinese medicine and a bunch of the other healing modalities that you use in your office. I want to try and touch on all of them because I know a lot of people are really curious about you know, whether it's gua sha or acupuncture or herbal medications or moxibuction or cupping. These are all treatments that people are really starting to hear about. So I think that we should try and talk a little bit about them. But the first thing I really am curious about, because I was reading about you and you have a similar story to mine of not really sort of being in this medicine growing up culturally because it is part of your culture and then coming back to it when you had health issues. So can you share with us sort of what happened there? I know it was like in your career that you rediscovered traditional Chinese medicine. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's I guess, a coming of age story um, <laughs> a little bit later in my adult life. Um, so basically the way I was born and raised in Virginia at the time was um, my parents had immigrated here and they really wanted uh, my brother, my sister, and I to assimilate with our culture, which at the time was American Western culture. And so they did a couple of things such as instead of speaking with us at home with Mandarin, they would switch to English. So kind of lost a little bit of that. And then the foods that we ate, it was much more Americanized. And so that being in that way, I never really knew my background per se, or the Chinese medicine that was part of such a heavy part of Chinese and Asian culture in general. And so um, I grew up on Western medicine and didn't really, it's interesting, you know, I think where I was growing up too, didn't really have much Asian culture or Asian uh, Asian community as much. So that also I'm sure impacted it. Whereas if you grew up in somewhere like LA, even back in the seventies and eighties, it was very different. So um, for me, especially, I found that I just wanted to fit in. And so this was just my life. This is all I knew was, okay, if I felt sick, I take a pill or, you know, I would, if I, something happened, I would get surgery, something like that, where it was just, that's the way of thinking for how we look at our bodies and how we treat it and medicate it. And so it wasn't until, um, I lived in New York city working in fashion. That's what I did right after undergrad. I studied graphic design undergrad and then moved to New York and started doing marketing, graphic design and marketing departments in um, places like Diane von Furstenberg and Ralph Lauren. Um, and it wasn't until later in my late 20s that I was actually exposed to Chinese medicine, which is kind of crazy. So up until that point, you know, I was being like a normal 20 year old, <laughs> 20 something year old in New York City. It was like my playground. Everything was novelty. It was amazing. And so um, 
I got to the point where I kind of burnt myself out really fast in working in the fashion industry. Um, and so it wasn't until one of my uh, coworkers actually suggested that I try acupuncture, which is kind of funny and ironic. And she is not Asian. So um, I finally had it done for the first time. I went to this random place in Chinatown because I wasn't even sure like where to start or where to begin. And after one session, it had changed my life. Like I remember walking into the office next day and people were noticing, they were like, wow, did you get a facial? Like, you look great. You look rested. You slept really well. And for someone to, for many people to say that, and for you to actually feel it and know that something has changed deep within, you know, really shifted everything. It was like an epiphany for me. So I realized, Hey, there's something to this acupuncture. There's something to this type of treatment that helps to heal the body. And, you know, it also got me thinking, of course, of, okay, this is, this coming from my own culture that I have been repressing for such a long time because I wanted to fit in and I wanted to be part of Western society and American society. And, and so, you know, it was like a coming of age story in a lot of ways where I actually it helped me go back to my roots, to my culture. And when I was diagnosed with cancer in 2016, it kind of came out of left field. I had already graduated from acupuncture school and was actually practicing, I think, a year into that. Um, and at the same time, started my doctorate program. So I was very busy still. And I noticed that I was getting really tired and all these really lethargic symptoms. And I just thought it was because I was burning both ends of the candle when, in fact, it was my thyroid. So I ended up getting half my thyroid taken out. And during the recovery process, I ended up actually just putting everything on hold here, moving to Taiwan and actually getting treatment um, wow. there, Chinese medicine treatments and recovery there. And my parents live there. So that's why I also went back to see them and they're getting older. So it was really such a silver lining to such a you know horrible diagnosis was really getting to learn about my culture again, getting to be close with my parents at an older age and appreciating them. And um, really just you know, counting my blessings, like, okay, it could have been a lot worse. And, you know, I realized like this was a turning point in my life, in my career where, all right, I have had, you know, I've practiced Chinese medicine for a little bit and then I got sick and now I'm really seeing this work for me personally. And so once again, it, it's one of those things where you're like, well, gosh, if this can work for me, I know it can work for a lot more people out there. And I realized, you know, a lot of things came to mind, like, hey, this type of medicine has been around for thousands of years. And there's a reason why, because it works. Right. And right. not only that, but, you know, it works with our body very well. Like our bodies are made for acupuncture and acupuncture is made for our bodies. And the whole, you know, modality of Chinese medicine in general does, it's all about preventing and treating versus just treating like Western medicine does. So, yeah, I know that's a beautiful story. And I, I did read that you had a cancer diagnosis. It's just so interesting, right? That, you know, it's almost like we learn these healing methods are exposed to them at different points in life. And then we are pursuing something else in a healing profession. And then lo and behold, we learned it to help ourselves heal. I've heard this story in so many different permutations from so many right. people in the health professions, you know, everything in integrated medicine to, you know, specific, whether it's Reiki or mm. you know, massage therapy, any of these modalities, it's like people who are practicing these have actually had a very personal experience with the modality or the system of medicine. And that's what fuels them to help more people. So um, I really appreciate you sharing that story with us. Thank you for doing that. Thank you. I, you know, and I just want to add like, it's not, and this is just human nature, right? Unless it actually starts to impact us personally, mm -hmm. we don't really pay that much attention to it, or we don't really think much of it. So, you know, for 
as you said, for a lot of the people that you have interviewed and you know, um, to have to walk the walk and talk the talk, it's, it's a very different way. And it's, it is life-changing in so many beautiful ways that we all find our way back to where we need to be. Absolutely. And for those of us who grew up, you know, with this in our culture and our ancestry, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that the point you brought up about being first generation, wanting to assimilate, wanting to be able to be just accepted. Part of that for many of us, you know, and think that you're probably a little bit younger than me, but around that time, much of that was sort of almost like repressing that parts of our lives. For me, I know it was. And so it was almost like, like you said, a homecoming later in life when I was like, oh, let me go back to the ways of my ancestors, what I grew up doing, which I repressed or you know, kind of kept at home. It wasn't that I was embarrassed about it, but I didn't talk openly about it. I didn't mm-hmm. explore it as much as I probably would have, or maybe mm-hmm. as my kids do, who are both college age now, right? They are much more <laughs> open to exploring these things. But back then it was all about being very Western, quote, Western, whatever that meant. And for yeah. me, mm-hmm. you know, going into medical school. So yeah, I think, I think it's a shared experience that I really, I have with you. So let's start with sort of the umbrella. Like what is traditional Chinese medicine? There's a lot of similarities between Ayurveda and traditional Chinese medicine. Ayurveda predates TCM. And it's yes. always so interesting to me because there are so many similarities that sometimes I get mm-hmm. confused when I'm thinking about <laughs> it. But, you know, it'd be great. Let's start there. Like what is traditional Chinese medicine? Yes. So traditional Chinese medicine, if you think about it, it's just a way of life is what I like to say. It is the way that we look at the body. And so just like Ayurvedic medicine, traditional Chinese medicine looks at the body as a living, breathing system that every single component works with each other. So, you know, instead of isolating body parts like they do um, or isolating body systems like they do in Western medicine, such as the circulatory system or the nervous system or your, your head versus your shoulder, we look at it as like, okay, well, if you're coming in for say a migraine, that it could indicate other things going on in your body. Cause obviously your head's attached to the rest of your body. So what right. is that telling us? Right. So, you know, we look at it through energy and being one with nature. So basically you've heard the word chi being thrown around a lot. Chi is just simply energy. It's the easiest way to explain it. It's basically the living force that keeps everything going. And so everyone that's living, every living thing in this universe has chi, has that living force, the energy force, the vital force. And so what happens is, especially in the human body, because we're such advanced, intelligent human beings, like creatures, um, that energy can also be used and transmuted and dispersed and drained or strengthened in a lot of ways through our lifestyle and how we live. So for example, you know, and this is something I'm sure in Arabic medicine, you guys practice as well, but uh, you guys do chakra systems and we do more like uh, meridian systems, but it's the same idea that different parts of your body do hold different energy fields and, and quantum energy, if you will. So what's great about this is that because we know a lot from Western culture about energy, you know, energy cannot be created or destroyed, just transferred. That mm-hmm. whole idea is played into all the modalities in Chinese medicine. So anytime someone comes in for anything, whether it's, you know, back pain or losing hair, or it could be anything fertility, we look at the body as something different. We don't look at it as like, okay, well, I'm going to focus on the back. It's like, yes, you focus on the back because that's where they're feeling it. That's where the symptoms are, but what is the root cause? And so that's the main thing with any type of Eastern medicine I like to look at is that we not only treat the symptom, but the root. So you say the branch and the root or the foundation. And so in Chinese medicine, you can look at it as treat energy, 
we treat your body as it is at that very moment. And that's what makes it so, I think, very effective as well. Um, a lot of times, if you look at different ways of how people treat in the West, you know, most of it is based on your past history, which is always important, but also um, it's based on really covering up the symptom versus really treating the root cause. And so, you know, for us, it's, it's very different. We, we look at the body as every, your body changes basically every half an hour in Eastern medicine. So we look at it as like, okay, every half, depending on even what time of day you come in, depending on the circadian clock in Chinese medicine, which we actually have our own circadian clock, we can address certain things in your body. And that's why it works so well. And so, you know, it's been around for thousands of years, just like your medicine. And it's definitely the track record has proven itself that our bodies know how to respond to this. And if you think about it, it's a pretty crazy idea to think that you're going to put sharp objects in someone and they're going to feel better. Not only that, but they'll be able to sleep while they're shut, like on the table, taking acupuncture naps and stuff. And, and it's pretty incredible, like how they find in Western medicine now, how it works is that every time we put a needle in you, it creates a microtrauma in that area, which then signals to the brain and the brain releases a flood of neurotransmitters, right? Dopamine, norepinephrine, um, serotonin all those things flood your system while you're on the table with the needles in you. And that's when your body starts feeling better. So it also lowers the, lowers the cortisol level, right? The, so when your body's in a less state of inflammation, your body can repair itself at a more effective rate. So it's, it's pretty crazy. All this research now coming out, they actually show um, that, you know, it can actually lower your brain waves the same wavelength that your brain goes to when you're under hypnosis and under meditation. So it's a different way of relaxation physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's very similar to what we do in Ayurveda. And it's this idea that the blueprint for the physical body is the energy body. And so mm. when you make these changes or you, you treat the root at the energy level, it's going to help alleviate the problem so much quicker on the physical level. That's the way Absolutely. I learned about it. And that's what I'm, I'm thinking of as you're saying this with acupuncture is that you literally are addressing, you're putting the needles in to adjust the flow of chi, of energy, which is the mm -hmm. energy body. And then it manifests at the physical level through all of these pathways that we now know in science, whether it's the hormones that are released or the mm -hmm. microtrauma to the muscle or whatever it is, that's what's happening, right? Yeah, and it's really interesting why acupuncture works so well too, is because if you think of it this way, our bodies are mostly made of water, right? Mm -hmm. And we also conduct electricity through our nervous system. It goes everywhere. So water is a conductor of electricity. And what else is a conductor of electricity? Metal, which is why we use stainless steel, um, sterilized, you know, one time use disposable needles. So you can think of it as like, we're actually kind of playing with your energy in a way that it's just, it like blows my mind that we can actually fix the body by just redirecting the energy pathways in your body. Yeah. That's such, pretty crazy. I never thought about that. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It's a trifecta for a perfect storm in a good way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah, all these things start to come together. It's like your mind uh -huh. will be blown. Let's talk about this. What is the difference then between acupuncture and acupressure, right? Because they're, they're working on the same points, right? But mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. how do they differ? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, with acupuncture, we actually use, you know, acupuncture needles to get through the skin to get to those points. Because in Chinese medicine, acupuncture points are seen, there's actually different levels of acupuncture points depending on where it is in the body. And so what we do is with the needles, depending on what your, you know, diagnosis is and prognosis and, and also the treatment, we actually will use even at certain points, we actually, depending on 
your constitution and the severity of the of your uh, ailment, we can actually put the needle in deeper to treat certain levels. So it's it's not just sticking a needle in a certain place and being like, ta-da, we're done. It's like, okay, it takes a little bit of science to figure out what this patient needs. And that's why the treatments are very much tailored to the individual. Um, and that's a great question. So with acupuncture, it's basically putting a needle where there are quote unquote acupuncture points all around the body. There's a approximately 361 acupuncture points per se. Um, technically, there's a lot more than that that we can go into later, but that's usually what they teach you in acupuncture school. That's what most people are very familiar with. Um, now, acupressure is a little bit different. So acupressure, obviously, you don't know, you don't need anything, but your fingers is what I like to use for acupressure, or you can use an acupressure tool, which is basically anything with a blunt tip that you can press in that adds a little bit of pressure. And that is a little bit more of a mild form of treatment, if you will, to be honest with you, um, but it's more accessible because anyone can do it. And so that's what makes it really great is that you don't need to, you know, be licensed, insert a needle or go see a practitioner or have, the, you know, all this stuff. You don't need needles. You can just do it anytime on the go anywhere. And so that's why I think acupressure is so important because it can treat things, maybe not to the degree of how acupuncture can, but it's still effective. Um, and so that's basically the main difference between the two. Well, and I think that that's important. That's kind of what I was hoping you'd get to, because I know a lot of people, if I, you know, if I suggest acupuncture as a treatment for, you know, an energetic treatment, right. Let's say, because for many people who are just entering this world of integrated medicine and integrative healing, the idea of the energy body and doing some other energy modalities can be so like out there. And I find that acupressure is very accessible because they feel something happening to them by putting the needle in, right? But the question I'll get from a lot of people is, well, I could just do some acupressure points. Why don't I just mm -hmm. do it by myself? And so I think what you did was you just addressed that is that, yes, you can with acupressure. You can look it up on the internet of like, you know, I'm having a headache mm -hmm. and where do I push? But I think your point is well taken is that, you know, if you are having migraine headaches, yes, doing some acupressure on an acupressure point may help you, but it's the prevention and getting to the root cause that through acupuncture, depending on the level of depth you go, because you mm -hmm. as a provider are actually skilled in understanding that it's a different level of treatment is really what I'm hearing. Exactly. It is. It's very much tailored. It's, it's basically like acupressure is more do it yourself, which was great for some things, but not for everything. Um, but I still, you know, want to emphasize acupressure is still important. It, it's wonderful to use. Our bodies respond to it. I mean, that's the whole thing is that, you know, if it didn't work, it wouldn't be around, right? It would have already filtered itself out through the history of, of mankind. And the fact that it's still around and it can still help people, it's just great. And so for me, I don't, I don't look at it as like, you should do one more than the other. I think there's a time and place for both. And I think to be more accessible, like what you just said, acupressure is a great segue into getting into this type of medicine to this type of, um, you know, going further into acupuncture and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And so I just want to also talk about the fact that, you know, and you may be able to correct me on this, but, you know, acupuncture is now considered first line therapy for back pain, which I find incredible. You know, I mean, that's it's what, nuts. right. And I actually pulled up the research or the data on it, that it was back in 2017, that the American College of Physicians basically said that there are new evidence-based clinical practice guidelines that recommend people with back pain be first treated with non-drug therapies, including acupuncture, which is incredible, which is why I think also a lot of insurance providers are now adding acupuncture to treatments that people can get, which I think is super for people to know. 
Yeah. And I would say usually even for me, who I I specialize in facial rejuvenation, cosmetic acupuncture, I still get, I would say maybe 30% of patients walking through my door with back pain, at least some form of back pain, if not more. And, you know, for us in Chinese medicine, we look at back pain. It used to not be that prevalent in terms of back in the day because of our lifestyle, we're sitting more, we're less, you know, we're, we're less mobile, all these other things we're eating more. We probably are bigger and in, in certain ways, um, it can wreak havoc on our back. And, and plus that, not only that, but you know, our back reflects our front. So if we don't really work out our core or have a healthy digestive system, that can also impact our back, right? Because the body likes to mirror itself. So it's, it's all kinds of different factors that are contributing to more and more back pain for most people. And, but yeah, acupuncture works great. It helps to, it's been proven to regenerate nerve growth. It helps to, um, actually help with pain receptors in the skin and in the muscle layer to help to relax so that you don't find, you just have a higher pain threshold, basically. It's pretty awesome. And it allows for blood, fresh blood flow so that the, the tissues can get nourished. It allows the fascial, to, the fascial tissue to relax so that's not grasping onto something, making things even more tighter. Um, I mean, there's so many great benefits to it. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. No, and I, I mean, I've suffered from back pain and I know that acupuncture was like, has been the only thing that in an acute sort of trigger of like when I'm having a back mm-hmm. seize, that is the yes. only thing that helps me. And it, it gets me back on my feet pretty quickly. Oh, that's so great to hear. Yeah. I've experienced it. And it's interesting to hear that like 30% of your patients are coming in with back pain. That's a high number. It's, it's a high number or, the, you know, at some form that even if they come in for cosmetic acupuncture, we always look address the body as well. And it's always mm-hmm. comes up. So it's, it's pretty high. I mean, there's, you know, for us, so we look at the back actually in Chinese medicine, the two main organs that really dictate and overall like command the back is, are the kidneys in Chinese medicine. So the kidneys are not just to filter out the blood in the body. It has a lot to do with, they're the organs that dictate aging and growth. So as how we grow, how we age. And so Typically speaking, that's also like kind of like our engine of the body. It's what holds our chi, our yin, our yang, everything that gives us energy, that gives us life. And so if we live a crazy lifestyle, we've, or if we have a lot of diseases or ailments or sickness or trauma, anything that happens when you have the human experience, um, if it's too much, it will start depleting that energy, that, that engine. And so what happens is, uh, you know, you start seeing weakness and that's what happens in the back. I say most of us do have back pain because of that, because we've depleted that energy, that the engine, and there's things you can do to revitalize it. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, acupuncture helps us strengthen the engine. It's like a tune up helps yeah, you get it back on track. Mm-hmm. For sure. That's amazing. No, thank you for explaining that. Cause I know traditional Chinese medicine physicians will say, and they've said to me too, like what's going on emotionally whenever I have back pain, because there are yeah. measuring like what's going on with your kidneys. So thank you for explaining that. That's, it's really interesting to hear that connection, because again, if the energy body is the blueprint for the physical body, then these emotions, right? We store them quite literally mm-hmm. in different parts of our body because of the energy of that associated. With Absolutely. It. And, and, you know, we believe in Chinese medicine too, that any kind of energy, any kind of emotion you feel is energy, right? right? And so what happens is if we don't express that energy at the time, whether we're feeling joyful or sad or angry, that stuff gets repressed and your body's so intelligent, as you know, this, your body's super intelligent, more than we even consciously understand it. Even at this point in history, what happens is that energy gets repressed and it, they always say you have, um, we hold issues in our tissues, right? You've mm-hmm. heard that saying, issue, yeah. and it's true. Like that energy actually gets stored. What we say in our Sanjal meridian, it's a meridian that runs all over through. It's almost like your fascial system. And so what happens is, um, 
the more we hold on to that energy, whether it's grief, resentment, anger, anything like that, it builds and builds and builds and it can wreak havoc on your body. I mean, it can cause things, even in Chinese medicine, we believe in extreme cases, it can even be forms, it can cause forms of cancer, um, you know, if it's not addressed. Um, but most of us probably will experience a little bit of a stiff body, maybe, you know, kind of things like that, that we're like, oh, it's because I'm getting old. And it's actually maybe not so much that it's probably because you're under a lot of stress or you're not addressing emotions you're feeling at the time. And your body is made to experience that spectrum of emotions and to also express it at the time we experience it. I know in a lot of cultures such as yours and mine that we come from, you know, it's all about kind of showing, saving face, repressing how we really feel, not really expressing ourselves. Um, but that's gone the way of the dodo bird. I think nowadays are the newer, the younger generations too. It's all about like really being true to ourselves, you know, in a way, of course, that's in a kind way to others, but just um, being able to really be genuine and be honest with ourselves, I think is really important. Yeah. And, and so it's interesting because, you know, that's really that idea of toxin buildup, right? Because when we repress emotions and we don't sort of eliminate them from our body, they will build up as toxic load. And that's when all the problem starts. That's when the flow of prana or chi, whichever way you want to think about it, stops flowing or is reduced, you know, from flowing. And that's then, you know, translates from the energy body into the physical body. So it's all connected, right? And so I think that's why Absolutely. really, really dealing with these emotional toxins, which, you know, we can, this is a whole nother conversation, but, you know, everything that we've <laughs> right. seen with the pandemic and sort of this epidemic of mental health issues that have added on, have intensified, you know, from this very unique experience that we've had <laughs> the past two years, you know, and people are showing up with, you know, more pain in their bodies, all kinds of things, because they're not processing these emotions that they're feeling. So I think it's all right. connected. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to, there's so many treatments that I want to talk about, but you know, I'm going to let you sort of guide this of like, you know, let's talk about the different types of treatments because many people, when they go in for an acupuncture appointment or just a consultation with a TCM doctor, they might have, you know, cupping or guasha or, you know, moxibustion. So can you tell us a little bit about those different therapies and maybe how they are similar or different to acupuncture? I mean, I know the actual treatments are, but like, what are they doing that's different? Sure. Absolutely. So we'll start off with cupping because that seems to be pretty popular nowadays. And it's, um, you know, there's a flow over into different mode, into uh, physical therapists that use it now and also spas and all that. So the whole idea of cupping is based on breaking up stagnation in the body. So think of stagnant energy that's locked into our tissues anywhere, and it could be anywhere in the body. Um, and so what happens is when we do cupping, the whole idea is creating a, a negative suction through what I use as fire cupping, um, but just placing something over the skin that helps to pull gently and creates that suction. And what that does is that gentle, to, I mean, it can be heavy pulling, but usually that pulling, what it does is it, it lifts the fascial tissue off the muscle layer. So this is something that I'll just say for the listeners, but uh, as we age, fascia, the fascia, which is made of collagen, is that thin, flexible, like web, web matrix that pretty much covers over the muscle layer that gives our muscles a shape that hold the organs in place. It also helps with lymph, our lymph system, all these amazing things. It becomes thin and brittle and it tends to, you know, ride, like get stuck on our muscles. So our muscles feel a little bit more tight. That's why when we wake up, most of the times we feel like we have to stretch more as we get older versus the, you know, the youthful 15 year old that could just jump out of bed and we're, we're ready to go. Um, 
So with cupping, what it does is it helps to lift that fascial, that stuck fascia on the muscle up so that there's even, there's more blood flow again going through. And so, you know, remember this in Chinese medicine too, it's all about even flow of chi and blood. And when there's even flow of chi and blood throughout the body, there are no issues. We say when there's flow, there is no ailments. When there isn't flow, that's when issues begin. And so it's a whole idea of breaking up energy that's been stuck in different places. And this is how we do cupping. So with cupping, what happens is you leave the cup on for a couple of minutes, um, ideally no more than eight minutes in general. Um, I've seen a lot of a lot of people not really doing that. And it can actually cause more damage than good if you leave it on too too long. But the idea of it is that you leave it on so it can actually break up that fascial tissue. Not only that, but it helps with the microcirculation in that area. And it also helps with a little, you know, it does create a little bit of what we say, um, blood vessel breakage, which causes that sometimes you will see marks. Now, ideally, you don't want to have cupping marks when it comes to cupping. People don't know that. And the reason is, is because if you are, if your body's healthy and you have proper circulation and everything's working well, then you shouldn't have any marks, right? It means that nothing's stuck, if you will. But, you know, for most humans living in modern day society, we all have something in our bodies at this point. So um, marks we look at is really important too, not just how we put the cup on, where we put it on your body, but actual marks. And most people are like, oh, the darker the mark, the better. I'm like, actually, no, it's not. It's actually the opposite. And so if you look at someone like Michael Phelps, who back in the 2008 Summer Olympics kind of brought cupping to like the forefront of most people that didn't realize what it was, it looks intense. And that's also because, you know, what he does is intense, you know, unless you're a pro athlete, you're not really not going to get marks that dark or that deep or whatnot. And so um, what we look at is we also look at not only the color of the marks, but also how long it takes the marks to fade. And so that's one thing too, because that also tells us your body system of cleaning up itself, the immune system, the repair system. So all these things that are really important to teach us to show us where your body actually is, not just how it receives a quote unquote injury, even though it's not an injury, it's not made with um, trauma. And that's why cupping marks typically should disappear within a week or so. If it takes longer than that, it usually means either the patient is older, has you know chronic issues that may prevent it from healing itself, their bodies at a faster rate, or there could be other things going on too. So it's with cupping, it's really important that we not only look at the actual um, technique and modality in, in its action, but also the aftermath of it. And so that's what's beautiful about this medicine is that it's not just like one and done. We always check in to see how your body is. And we're, we're constantly getting information from the progression or the lack of progression, Absolutely. right? Yes. So it's really interesting. I have a question about that because, you know, you commonly see and experience, I've had cupping many times, it's always been on my back. So mm-hmm. is there a reason that, I mean, I'm sure you do it in other areas of the, the body, but the back seems to be the most common. Is it, is it related to what you were talking about before as the energy centers, you know, sort of the kidneys in the back or why the back? Yeah, that's a great question. Well, most of our vital organs in Western and Chinese medicine are on our torso. So the back is usually the most accessible. The back's also more fleshier. So it's, better. You don't want to necessarily cup over bone. It's not uncomfortable for the patient. Obviously the cups will adhere because it doesn't have a smooth flat surface. Um, you want to cup over soft tissue. And so the back is the most accessible way. And plus most of us, like I said, <laughs> most of us are dealing with any kind of neck down the spine to the sacrum for the issues. So it's, it's very much so that that's the easiest and most accessible way. Plus most patients see and feel a difference right away. One of the great signs of cupping is um, I look at complexion someone's complexion changes like that after cupping. Oh, interesting. Because they're getting more blood flow to the face and to the brain. They also feel that they can think clearer. 
they're also in a better mood because everything that all that blood needs to go somewhere and it goes up through the neck. And if there's congestion here, stagnant energy or whatnot, it's not going to get up to here. Right. So a lot of times, even for facial rejuvenation, if I see a patient that needs a cupping session or two, we'll do that before we start working on the face. To get Amazing. Results. Well, and it goes back to that idea that the whole body is connected, right? Yeah. So you're treating, you may be doing the actual treatment on the back, but it's going to actually affect the entire body. Absolutely. Right. Okay. Amazing. That was so yeah. helpful. Okay. Let's go to the <laughs> treatment. Yeah. Um, so gua sha is also becoming very popular, especially in the beauty and wellness industry. Um, so gua sha is based off the idea of the word wa means to scrape. I know it sounds really aggressive. Um, and the word sha means to raise a rash. So ideally you scrape until you raise a rash. Now I will explain this in a second, but basically it's based on the idea of taking a smooth flat surface. It could be anything back in the day. They used to use the side of a soup spoon or the side of a coin. Um, and then you would apply some kind of lubricant on your skin, whatever the area of treatment is. And then you take that smooth flat surface and you do even pressured strokes in one direction up until you start getting something called petechia. Petechia is a medical term, as you know, it looks like a road rash, basically. It looks really aggressive, not that pretty, but it what's What's great about this modality and with cupping too, is that these are not created through trauma. So it, your body knows that your body's so intelligent. It's like, okay, this isn't, you know, I'm not being harmed right now. This is actually helping. So that's why it heals much faster than if you had gotten a bruise there through trauma or whatnot. And so with Gua Sha, it does a couple of things too. It helps with lymphatic drainage. Um, it helps with loosening up the fascial tissue, just like cupping. Um, the difference between Gua Sha and cupping, I will say is cupping goes more of a deeper layer of the muscle tissue and it, you know, it really addresses like the muscle layer, which is great for most people. Um, but Gua Sha does a couple of things too. It helps to create microcirculation in the area. They've actually shown that it helps with liver enzymes. So people that suffer from like hepatitis or suffer from any type of liver issues, it actually helps their liver enzymes, even though you're doing something superficial on the skin. Doesn't necessarily need to be over the liver. But with Gua Sha too, what's great about it is that if you do it on certain parts of the body, so ideally, and originally it was done on the body. So it was like folk medicine. It was like what your grandmother would do for you if you had a sore neck or if you feel like your back stiff or whatnot. It was something that everyone would do. It wasn't like, you know, considered you have to go see a practitioner. And so in some ways, gua sha still isn't regulated, whether it comes to the face or the body. And it's good in some ways too, because it means that anyone can practice it because it should be something, you know, I believe what I love about traditional Chinese medicine is that it empowers you. You don't need to necessarily see a practitioner every time you get sick. It teaches you about your body and how you can help yourself first. And gua sha, what I like to call it, I like to call it, this is a gua sha tool, power in your hands you know, medicine in your hands, because with this thing, you don't need Wi-Fi, you don't need batteries, you don't need anything for it. You can just use it anytime you want, um, anywhere you need. And so, um, of course, there's a couple of rules when it comes to wash eye, like you don't want to necessarily do it over bone, just like cupping. Um, you do want to go in a direction, um, usually towards the heart, if you're doing the body, just to add blood flow back. Um, for the face, you always want to go upward. And that's just because you don't want to have a ragged, saggy look of the face. You want to always lift up. But they also show that it's helping mitochondrial. Mitochondria in the cells, which are the powerhouse engine of the cells, they help the mitochondrial cells so that they can actually function better. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. So there's all this amazing, amazing research that I can send to you through email yeah. that you can take a look at. That would be great. Um, it's just fascinating. Yeah, I can link some of that. But you know, I know that you really specialize in facial rejuvenation and that you have some techniques for gua sha. Is there 
like a handout or something like something like a diagram of how to do it that you could share with us so we could link it in the show notes for the yeah for I can absolutely send you I can send you one yeah you can absolutely Amazing. link it absolutely yeah okay uh, we can do that wash out for the face is great too because it like I said before it helps with lymphatic drainage so a lot of people that's why they look so drastically different from the before picture and the after picture because once again a lot of congestion, a lot of stuff that gets stuck in our face. And even our face alone holds a lot of tension and energy and emotions. So, you know, think of it that way. We hold a lot of energy everywhere and it's not being released properly through whether it's through meditation, feeling it at the time, expressing it in a healthy way. It's going to get stuck in our bodies and it needs to be moved out. So these are great modalities. Cupping and gua sha helps to move energy out and make you feel better and balanced. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. So we'll make sure that we link that diagram or handout from Dr. Kung in the show notes for everybody. So, sure. okay, let's talk about moxibustion. Okay. So moxibustion um, is also known as moxa, M-O-X-A. And so it comes from, traditionally, it comes from the plant called Aya. It's A-I and then Y-E, two words, Aya. And that is also known in English as mugwort. So it's mm-hmm. mugwort plants. And so it's been traditionally used topically, not ingested per se. Um, they found that this plant, this specific plant out of thousands of plants that have been around forever, has so many medicinal medicinal and magical properties. It does a couple of things. It's been proven to help regenerate nerve growth. So I actually use moxa in treatments with Bell palsy um, oh, wow. when I treat Bell's palsy patients. It also helps in also with any kind of like post-surgical issues or incisions or anything like that. It helps to regenerate nerve growth. So it really helps to bring back that feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, another thing too that it does is it helps to warm the body. So just like in, in Ayurvedic medicine, we look at it in temperature, the types of food that you eat, the types of temperatures that you know can be in the body. And so um, typically as we age, sometimes we do lose a little bit of heat, a little bit of that. So we need to add that back into the body. And so one way to do it is through moxa. Moxa helps to regenerate blood cells, like regenerate, um, help with white blood cell count and help with red blood cell count. It's been proven to do that. And so I've used it actually on trauma bruises. I had a patient a few months back get into this horrific car accident and we did moxa on his, his, just this crazy bruise he had on his torso. And within 10 minutes of moxa, he only, not only did it feel not as tender, but it actually looked a lot better. Wow! So it does the body once again, responds to these things just because it's, it's made to, I think. <laughs> and, um, it's moxa is really great. It can be used in different formats. Um, I like to use, uh, so moxa is the dry. So basically you take the moxa plant that's dried, you dry it up and then you can either roll it into like a cigar form and hover it, light it and hover it like a cigar over the areas that are infected, or you can take the moxa and put it directly on the skin. Um, Moxa does tend to get very hot. So depending on what you're treating the patient for, there's, you know, precautions and also contraindications as well for it. But it's a great way to really, I like to use it, especially in the wintertime, especially if you live in the Northeast or anywhere cold, it's great for warming up the body. And it does so many amazing things in terms of just really bringing life back into the body is what I like to say. And so I do send my patients home with a moxa stick here and there, depending on what they need it for. Um, but it's great. Yeah. So if I have a patient that has knee pain, I'm like, use this and hover it around your knee for about, you know, five minutes at a time, do it daily. And it really helps them. It helps wow. with the swelling. It helps with the pain and inflammation and all that. So it's really, it helps to lower inflammation too. I should wow, say. Wow. That's amazing. And it's yeah. amazing that you can just hover it over the skin. Yes. Does not need to touch the skin. Right. That's incredible that the, the skin 
takes the it. The skin's transdermal, you know, it's, it's very absorbent as, as most of your listeners probably know at this point, it's just, there's so many things about the skin too we're finding out. So it's, it's crazy how it just works so well. Like, and you know, it makes you wonder like, how did they figure out this one specific plant works this well? I mean, it blows my mind. Um, can I share a little story with you about Please. Chinese medicine in school? So I can talk to you <laughs> for however many hours you want. I know you have to see patients. You'll probably get but... a kick out of this. Yes. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> okay. So really quick story. So when I was in acupuncture school, my, one of my professors from main, mainland China, like old school, like mainland China, like very strict was raised very, you know, in a communist society he was teaching us and he's very stern, you know, doesn't really joke around or anything. And then one day someone asked them, where did Chinese medicine, where did acupuncture come from? Who invented it? How did they come about it? Because there's all these folklore stories floating around. With a straight face, he looks at the entire class and he says, he points up to the sky. He says, aliens. And we were all like, what? <laughs> and he said, aliens. He's like, humans are not that smart. We cannot invent smart medicine like this. Yes, <laughs> Intelligent know. medicine. Right. It is pretty wild. If you think about it, like even now that I've been practicing for many years, I'm like, this is, it blows my mind still the results that you get from just right. these simple modalities. Well, this information came from another source, you know, I mean, you know, through meditation, you know, they, they got this yes. information and also, you know, there is something to it. The, the plants speak, they do plant. I mean, I know this is going to sound a little out there, but plant medicine in, you know, in shamanism, this is, you know, sort of the main belief, but it's true in Ayurveda and in TCM, these plants actually tell the practitioners, this is what I am for. This is how I can help. And I do believe that that's again, where we got the intelligence from, because like you said, and your professor said very rightfully so humans are not that intelligent. This information came <laughs> yes. from other sources, you know, exactly. So I agree from, with that. You know, mm -hmm. so it's, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing yeah. that. Okay. So could I ask you to share maybe, you know, two or three acupressure points? Cause you said, you know, that's a very, we're going to, we're going to tell you about guasha. We'll have that linked in the show notes, but even acupressure points that the listeners could use, you know, on a daily basis, either to reset themselves or for common ailments, things that you think are really helpful for people to understand? Oh yeah, absolutely. So the one, the one that I think is really important um, is energy. Cause a lot of us, you know, we're after this pandemic of almost three years, it's like we're all drained at some point. So whether it's um, mental energy or physical energy, one way to restore the body, there is a point that you can use. And mind you, all the acupuncture and acupressure points used in Chinese medicine are found through anatomical landmarks on the body. Okay. So, and it's often the individual measurements of their own body. So the way we measure things in Chinese medicine is through using our fingers. So it's actually your fingers, two finger breaths, the width of it, put it right underneath your belly button. And it's that point right there. So it's literally right. If this is your belly button, it's right underneath your belly button. And then you press in. In the center, like right below in the, the center. center. Okay. Amazing. Yeah. So that, that point is actually known. Um, it's called Dian Tang and it's very well known in martial arts. It's also a, a great point to revitalize energy. It's also known for, for men. It's good for virility, but in general, it's along the Ren channel, R-E-N, which has a lot to do with um, bringing energy and vitality to and from the front part of our bodies. And so this is a great way to energize yourself, not only through digestive, digestive energy, not only digesting food, but digesting life, but also through just bringing this center, your core, your center right here back into balance. And so this is a great way to get energy and it's accessible for everyone mostly. <laughs> so, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That's, and that's similar to 
a point in the chakra system. I mean, that's just below that the lower navel chakra, basically. Yeah. Uh, but is yep. the same, the same concept of that's an energy center. Love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. The energy centers. Yeah. Um, the other one I would recommend, and this is probably one that's pretty well known is you take your thumb and your first finger and you put your thumb and your first finger together. You're going to see kind of a little mound right here. The highest point on the mound, you want to press in. So it's going to be a little tender for those people. Mm -hmm. and you're going to press them with your fingernail. And that's one thing with acupressure too. You can actually use your fingernail. Even if you don't have fingernails, you want to press in with the tip of it. So it's going to be a little sharp at first. And you want to keep pressing it in for about a minute or two. But what this point does, it helps to activate chi and blood flow to the face and neck. So this is going to sound crazy, but it can address basically any issue with your neck and your face whether it's acne, stiff neck, I don't know, psoriasis, anything that shows up on your skin and on your, on your face and on your neck can help relieve because it sends fresh blood flow. It also helps with mental clarity. So if you feel like you're kind of groggy headed, it's a great way to kind of like wake up in some ways. Yeah. yeah. I learned that one for headaches, for headache. Relief. Yes. It's for, that's the main one it's for. Yeah. Headaches, any type of headaches, but does it matter right or left hand? Um, I would say do both. You okay. know, you'll also find because our bodies are constantly trying to balance itself. One side is going to be more tender than the other. That's right. completely normal when it comes to acupressure and acupuncture. So, okay. um, and what I always say is hang out a little bit longer on the side that's more tender. That's yes. what it needs more attention. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. All <laughs> yeah. right. Those are two amazing points. That's so helpful. Thank you. Okay. So you have shared so much. I'm going to have to have you on again, because I think there's so much we can talk about. I just love talking to you. You, you have so much knowledge. It's so wonderful. I feel like this is a good time for us to sort of round out our time together. So if I offer up the phrase to catalyze healing, what comes up for you? I think it's actually innate wisdom that's been brought to us through different types of medicine. You know, I think just because I practice Chinese medicine, that's not the end all be all of how we treat our bodies. Chinese medicine is just one tool in your toolbox of how to treat and how to heal ourselves. And so for me, healing catalyst would just be learning things, you know, getting experiences through Chinese medicine and through Ayurvedic medicines or different types of medicines out there, but also having the wisdom to know what works for you best, because not everyone's going to always respond the same to every modality. And that's not because your, your body's, you know, different. It's just, well, it is because your body's different, but it's also in a good way. It means your body needs certain things more than other people. And that's okay. Yeah. That's beautiful. Debbie, thank you so much for being with me. I really appreciate it. And I know that we'll talk again soon. Thanks again for listening to The Healing Catalyst. If you love what you heard, please hit follow and pass it along to a friend. And if you're feeling really inspired, please rate and review so that others can find this podcast more easily. To learn more, head to avantikumarsingh.com. And to connect with me directly, find me on Instagram at avantikumarsingh. I'll be back next week and hope that you will be too. Until then, remember, with the right catalyst, you have the power to activate your own healing because healing starts within.